There, by the power of the water and the word, the old Adam in each of us was drowned and died, and a new creation came forth, and each of us became temples of the Holy Spirit. But this is not a dead history, an event recorded in some church journal and in some certificate. No, it is a living, breathing, active faith that grasps hold of the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you take on a new identity, a daily renewed identity, one that daily emerges and arises to live before God in righteousness and purity forever, as we confess in the small catechism. Every day, our baptism remains a sure defense against the wiles of Satan and the temptations of our own flesh. For some, however, these found in their infancy remain a stumbling block. They question, how can these little ones believe before the age of reason? But Scripture... Scripture not only ascribes faith to children, but in addition tells adults that they must first be reduced to the state of children before they can enter the kingdom. Faith, to believe itself, is a gift. Why should it astound us that little ones as well can receive this gift? Recall how the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb at hearing the voice of Mary. Indeed, all of us were fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist declares. God formed me and you. He formed my inward parts. He knitted us together when we were in our mother's womb to be his child. The one shepherd searched and found others later in life. For these, the Holy Spirit worked through the word. Recall the Ethiopian eunuch riding from Jerusalem to Gaza, reading the prophet Isaiah. As always, the Holy Spirit works through means, the scroll likely recently purchased in Jerusalem, and a witness sent by the Spirit. In Acts we read, Go over and join this chariot. Do not, and Philip says to the eunuch, Do not understand what you are reading? How can I unless someone guides me? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And what was the Ethiopian's response? See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? It is not an option. Rather, it is the command of our Lord, the one shepherd, the eunuch, you and me. We are all part of the one flock, under one shepherd. We live under grace, but we live in a fallen world. It is a messy place where we find ourselves, and we often stumble. Though we have been searched out and found, from time to time, the one shepherd must still rediscover us. Verse 16, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. 
in this verse, we can identify two groups who are distinguished grammatically, those identified by four participles and those by two adjectives. The lost. These are the baptized who have either drifted away through neglect of the means of grace or willfully denied the gift. Isaiah 53 comes to mind. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Or Paul's lament in 2 Timothy, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We may have become lost, but the one shepherd is not content to leave us. Recall Jesus' autobiographical parable from Luke chapter 15. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, Will he not leave the other ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Have you ever been lost? To be lost means that you cannot see or find your way back. You are helpless. But Jesus, the one shepherd, he sees. He comes looking. In the words of Ezekiel, I will seek the lost. And our helplessness, our help, our true and final help comes from outside of us, comes from Jesus. After the lost, we hear about the stray, those, those who are baptized but who have been led astray by false doctrine, often because they have not been trained. Roger Olson writes, a popular misconception perhaps a Christian urban legend, is that the United States Secret Service never shows bank tellers counterfeit money when teaching them to identify it. The agents who do the training, so the legend goes, show bank tellers only examples of genuine money so that when the phony money appears before them, they will know it by its difference from the real thing. The story is supposed to make the point that Christians ought to study only truth and not heresy. But Olson continues, The first time I heard the tale as a sermon illustration, I intuited its falseness. On checking with the Treasury Department's Minneapolis Secret Service agent in charge of training bank tellers to identify counterfeit money, my suspicion was confirmed. He laughed and wondered aloud who would start it and who would believe it. Olson concludes, I believe it is important and valuable for Christians to know not only theological correctness, orthodoxy, but also the ideas of those judged as heretics within the church's history. Recall, Jesus declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. The heretic will agree with the statement, but he will hasten to bring qualifications or limitations, or clarifications. All counterfeit Christianity has some element of half-truth in it. But do not listen to it. Do not be deceived by it. Instead, hear the one shepherd call you by name. Follow him. You know his voice. The lost, the strayed, and then the injured. These are the baptized who have experienced some of the calamities of life in this fallen world. 
cancer or COVID, marital or family strife, bankruptcy or some other burden. These are fertile ground for heresy, a particular heresy, the prosperity gospel. Kathleen Falsalny calls it one of the worst ideas of the decade, an insepid heresy that God blesses those that he favors most with material wealth. Falsalny observes, few theological ideas ring more dissonant with the harmony of Orthodox Christianity than a focus on storing up treasures on earth as a primary goal of faithful living. The gospel of prosperity turns Christianity into a vapid bless me club with a doctrine that amounts to little more than spiritual magical thinking. If you only pray the right way, God will make you rich. Close quote. Yes, we do, and we have experienced injuries and setbacks, physical, financial, relational. We will all be injured sheep at some point. But we have a shepherd, one shepherd who will bind up the injured. When John's disciples came to ask, Are you the Christ? Jesus replied with the words of an earlier prophet, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. The last remains the most critical. You have the good news of salvation in Jesus' name. Jesus has bound up your eternally fatal wound. Lost, strayed, injured, and finally the weak. These are the baptized who have not fed regularly on the word and sacraments. These, the means of grace, are the lifeline of the Holy Spirit. Recall Jesus' metaphor of the vine in John chapter 15. He is the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Many have grown weak because they did not abide and are in danger of withering, being thrown into the fire. Sisters and brothers, in this time of pandemic and isolation, we have experienced a strain on the ways in which we are accustomed to being fed on the word and the sacrament. I cannot encourage you enough to avail yourself of the tangible means of grace. Make arrangements for private communion and corporate worship is too high a risk at this point. Listen to the preached word online if you cannot worship with us in person. Join in the common confession and hear these words of absolution. You are forgiven. The weak need not language. Languish. The one shepherd is at hand. The second group, the one described by adjectives and not participles, they are much different. They are the aggressors. Verse 21, you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. A strong indictment against the leaders of Israel in Ezekiel's day and 
those who lead astray the baptized in our time. And we, we should take this indictment to heart ourselves. Are we scattering or are we gathering? Are we creating barriers instead of conformity to our... Are we creating barriers insisting on conformity to our church practices? Or are we breaking down barriers? Hear the voice of the one shepherd. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Am I creating barriers, insisting on my private individual confession? Or are we breaking down barriers, confessing a common faith in our scriptures, the ecumenical creeds, and the book of Concord? The one shepherd has come. I will feed them in justice. The last Sunday, Yahweh has promised, I will rescue them, the sheep, the baptized, from all places where they have been scattered, and on a day of clouds and thick darkness. It is, only, it is the language of theophany, Mount Sinai and smoke and lightning and thunder, only as the flock, his flock, can we survive. The one shepherd has searched us, searched for us, and found us through the watcher and the word. The one shepherd has sought us, brought us back, bound up our wounds, and strengthened us when unbelief and circumstances would try to overwhelm us. Jesus, the one shepherd, feeds his sheep, his church. Preserve us, we pray, unto that day. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.